State Representative Seth Grove is the chairman of the House State Government Committee and is holding hearings on state election laws and election operations. His committee also recently passed out two constitutional amendments. One would rein in Governor Wolf's emergency powers, and the other would allow us to vote for judges based on districts rather than in statewide races. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, President and CEO of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. And my guest today is Representative Seth Grove. Uh, he is the chairman of the House State Government Committee, and he hails from York County and uh, no stranger to uh, Brews and Views. Uh, Seth, uh, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well. And, you know, Brews and Views, we always seem to miss the brews. <laughs> but- we get plenty of views. Uh, and this is where I owe you once again. We'll have to take care of the brews, whether it's coffee or or a beer, which is, uh, of course, why we like that. Whether we're recording in the morning or in the afternoon, uh, we can figure out what that is. So I owe you one. Uh, I do appreciate your coming in uh, as we're uh, chatting. You guys are back in session, uh, but you have already been doing uh, quite a bit of work uh, in the House State Government Committee, which and congratulations on your elevation to the chair of, of that uh, important committee. Uh, you guys have been doing um, some voting already, uh, but you are right now engaged in a series of hearings related to uh, Pennsylvania's election law and election operations at the state and county levels. Uh, you know, it seems that this is something that we've just taken for granted uh, every year that we have elections, but there's quite a bit of focus on um, how we do elections right. uh, here in Pennsylvania and certainly across the country. Yeah, it, it's uh, after the, the 2020 election, there, there's been a, a singularly focused electorate or, or citizenry that, is, that wants to see uh, much improved elections. Uh, they don't want to see Pennsylvania in the fray of unknown states. And I relate it back to kind of Florida. You know, Florida in 2020 was, was a hot mess to say the least, hanging chads, national news attention. Um, you know, in 2020, 20 years later, you know, a flawless presidential election. Um, so I, 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 I use that as, as the kind of guide to say, you know, we had our issues this election cycle. We can absolutely get them fixed and we can absolutely be a flawless um, election where people, you know, go vote. Uh, they watch election returns come in. Um, when their state comes in, it'll be, you know, over and done with. And they'll say, oh, hey, you know, we we our election's done. We look at the vote and we're good with that. And the only excitement you get is close races. Right. Or it's down to the wire. Yeah. And that's that's well, really what you want in an election system. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the Florida example is one that that's important because of what happened in 2000. Um, this is where, you know, Governor Jeb Bush uh, deserves a lot of credit for how they reformed their system. And it's, you know, why Florida uh, being uh, one of the largest states, we, you know, they're able to call it uh, Tuesday night, even with uh, lots of mail-in voting and uh, day of voting, mm-hmm. uh, they were able to tabulate those things. And 
um, there, there seems to be a, a lot of issues floating around this. I mean, it, let me ask you this just very pointedly. I mean, is are you pursuing this, uh, uh, Seth, uh, because um, folks are saying, hey, this election was stolen and Pennsylvania was stolen. Uh, you know, there are all these shenanigans that that uh, we're waiting for them to, to be exposed. Uh, what's what's driving your desire uh, and efforts here to look at uh, election integrity issues. Right. Let, let me let me transfer this to to another topic, and and I, I think it's very similar, but then bring it back to elections. So w- when we had the cataclysmic drop in revenue from COVID nineteen hitting and basically an entire economic shutdown, it it showed how poor our finances are in this Commonwealth because of the extreme nature of what occurred. You know, normally you're able to patch it together, but it showed how bad our cash flow is, how bad, how, just how bad our finances are. And it, it exposed all those get budget gimmicks that were utilized over the years singularly to, to come to this, this climax, right? I think the 2020 election showed those similar issues with our election code. You know, we have election code for 1937. Um, so right away, you're looking at old language um, that really needs updated. You know, in 16 years, that thing's going to be 100 years old. Think about that. It's crazy. Um, so it exposed a lot of underlying problems. It, 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 it exposed that not all counties are uniform in their operation and their standards in elections. Um, so, you know, we need to close that. At the same time, we, we need to understand that, you know, not, you know, Philadelphia is very different from Forest, and we do need some flexibilities for counties to operate moving forward. Um, it also showed um, that we do need to do, do a deep dive in the entire election process because we haven't handled it. And we did a huge, huge changes in the previous session. And it, it I think it is our job to go back, reevaluate how we passed those, or not how we passed those laws, the laws that we did pass um, to see how they were implemented and see what changes we need to make to prove upon them moving forward. Um, that That is a constitutional role of the General Assembly. Um, and it's something we traditionally don't do. How many times have you seen the General Assembly do a look back at the laws they pass to see how they work um, and try to improve upon them? Normally doesn't happen, particularly this close to major changes. Some of the pushback that uh, I've seen certainly from, mm-hmm. you know, Democrats uh, and the governor is that uh, they have claimed that this election was without fraud. That This is just playing into, uh, you know, the Trump conspiracy theories of a stolen election. Uh, uh, how do you respond uh, with those claims that that, uh, uh, you know, Democrats are saying that you're on a, you know, uh, a wild goose chase here? All right. So, I mean. We had 105,000 uh, provisional ballots cast. Uh, provisional ballots are used when there's a problem at the polling place, which means we had 105,000 problems in this past election. You know, you had Allegheny County send 28,000 ballots, we, we, it, and it's a known fact. Uh, the secretary testified on this. Um, the ballots that came in after election day at 8 p.m., the, the federal ballots were not counted for the president or the congressional district, but all the state ballots were cast for the state elections. How is that even uniform? 
Um, we have some counties curing ballots or, or allowing voters to, to correct mistakes in the mail-in. Others didn't allow it. Um, we, had, we had some counties, you know, that did some pre-canvassing. Others didn't. So we didn't have really good uniformity among the counties, uh, which we need. Like, personally, if, if regardless of where I'm at in, in Pennsylvania, if I walk into a polling place, it should be similar. If I vote via mail-in ballot, it should be similar. Now, that polling location may be in a different building. There might be a different setup, but I should anticipate the exact same process and procedures to vote all across the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in, in cases, we didn't have that. Um, you know, in, in COVID may have increased um, kind of compatibility because you had to deal with, you know, Department of Health guidance and social distancing and some other stuff. But it should be uniform in treatment of voters, treatment of observers, the whole nine yards moving forward. We didn't have that. So I think it exposed a lot of stuff underneath. You know, voter registrations, one of the hearings we're doing. Um, we had a gentleman almost vote his deceased mother, which which is fraud. We, we had there. There are cases of fraud in the Commonwealth. It's not big. That's going to change the outcome of any election. But here's a problem. You're not supposed to be able to register to vote if you're deceased. So this guy got past the voter registration process, right? The first step. Yes, yeah, Seth, but let me push back. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, one vote can make a difference. I mean, we we certainly saw that even in a Senate race this year. There were there was a 24 vote difference, a 69 mm-hmm. vote. Di- I mean, so, so the, those do add up, yeah. right? I mean, so this idea that we're willing to accept uh, even one uh, example of of fraud, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, I think is where we should say that the, the threshold should be zero and do everything we can to mitigate right. any ability or incentive uh, uh, to do so. Correct. Now, that, that at the end of that example I just gave you, like that vote was the ballot was caught. Right. But it should have never got to a ballot. Yeah. So but it shows an internal an internal flaw of a county allowing someone who's been deceased the ability to actually get a ballot like that needs checked on the forefront so we need to we need to look at those issues um i brought up the difference between how the department of state treated voted ballots that they received after election day right after eight o'clock in the mail between the federal government federal elections or federal candidates and the state candidates well, out, out in Allegheny County, we had a very contentious Senate seat, right? Um, if if they deci- if the Department of State decided, you know, we're going to treat all these ballots equally and we're not going to count those state ballots um, for, for that Senate seat that came in after um, eight o'clock on Election Day until we see the, the final court ruling, um, which we're seeing, you know, that's not a consistent in uniform way of running your election because it's not like president office of presidents a, a different it's still an election right we have a uniformity clause with elections yeah you know it's not 67 different elections it's not different elections in, in the in the form of you know the president's at a different election than the um it's a different office so it's the same election so there should be uniformity across and we're not seeing it um, throughout this entire um, 2020 election. So those are the things you need to focus on cleaning up that we know of. Um, even the hearing we just had, we learned things. So we're going to continue to dive in and do a deep dive 
to learn all we can about the, the election process, the administration of elections here in the Commonwealth, and look to do a comprehensive reform that ensures integrity, accessibility, um, ensures that we have the best um, election law possible to be sure that it's not the process picking the, the, the winners, but the voters actually pick the winners and losers. Um, I think that's the both important thing moving forward. Yeah, so uh, is that being embraced uh, by both, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Democrats and Republicans, or is there just a resistance to um, address this uh, and, and look at it as a partisan issue at this point? Right. I mean, the the, the top the top issue for for county governments this session is election reform. Uh, the Secretary of State during the hearing said multiple times we should look at fixing this. That uh, we should look at fixing this. Um, the, the Democrats, my at least the House Republicans, because I see their bills, they're introducing bills all the time on election because it comes to my committee all the time. They're introducing ways to fix the election system. Um, so it is a bipartisan assessment that we need to improve upon Pennsylvania's election system. Um, and that's just from what we know of. We haven't done the deep dive um, into all these issues from certification of machines election day operation, the whole nine yard. And I think the general public um, needs educated around it too. Um, You know, most voters go in and vote and then they leave or they, you know, now just send in their request a ballot, send it in. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes between the county, the state, and going back and forth between the county and state. And it is our job to educate everybody in the Commonwealth about how elections occur um, so we can better formulate opinions about how we do it better moving forward. You know, we're looking at bringing in um, an actual election machine, have someone run through the entire process to say, you know, can can you manipulate it? What what are the safeguards in place at this point? So there's no manipulation. How about this? How about this? You know, bring in those county elections directors to say, do you have flexibility Um, to change votes moving forward. How does that work? You know, probe those internal processes to make sure it's ironclad um, so there's no issues Um, and educate what the current ones are for for voters out there and the citizens to know that they can trust election outcomes. Well, I know that you're on the front end of uh, more than a dozen hearings related to this. So Mm -hmm. we'll be looking forward to the outcome of what you learn uh, and uh, maybe some of the reforms that uh, will be forthcoming or at least proposed as how we can, one, uh, assure that, um, you know, we minimize the ability for whether it's uh, inadvertent or purposeful fraud, um, but also give people the confidence that uh, our elections are secure and um, that, and they're valid because obviously that, that's critical. Uh, but you already, uh, as I noted at the beginning here, you've already moved on a number of uh, issues and had votes uh, out of committee. Uh, and two in particular that I wanted to talk about are constitutional amendments. They come through your state government committee. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, one would address uh, the emergency powers of the governor, because uh, right now we know that the governor in Pennsylvania has um, powers that are extraordinary, uh, particularly relative to uh, other states and the ability for uh, our legislature and the people's 
elected uh, bodies to weigh in when we've got emergency declarations. We know we don't have to go through the whole uh, history of how uh, the General Assembly has been sidelined by Governor Wolf, his actions, and then of course the hyperpartisan um, Supreme Court. Uh, uh, what what uh, is this proposed constitutional amendment that uh, you passed out of your committee uh, do uh, if it goes before the voters uh, later this year? Right. It is it is a uh, um, copy and paste of uh, Majority Leader Kim Ward's constitutional amendment that was passed last session. And that's an important thing. Uh, so constitutional amendments, it's the hardest thing to do. Uh, it was designed that way because you don't want to change your constitution every other day. Right. So. Uh, uh, you have to issue a, a joint resolution. Um, that resolution has to pass the House and Senate, not once, but twice. And it has to be two back-to-back sessions. So sessions run two years. So if you pass, if we pass it in early in a session, you have to wait two whole years until the next session to um, um, get it on the ballot. And then there's some timing requirements as well. So um, this is the second time through we passed it last session. Um, so if we pass it by February 17th, um, it will be on the May primary ballot for voters to approve, and then it will be finally adopted. Uh, there's three parts to this, and there will be three separate questions. Uh, the first one doesn't have anything to do with emergency powers, but was uh, amended in the Senate, and we just kept it through there. And it would add uh, race and ethnicity as protections under our declaration of rights, uh, kind of at the beginning of, of our of our election, um, which is fine. It's a, it's a great discussion for uh, criminal criminal justice and everything else happening in our society today. Um, so that that'll be question one. Question two, um, we all remember, I think HR eight sixty three from last year, which was a, a, a resolution, prime sponsored by Russ Diamond. Uh, part of our emergency declaration law that was passed um, a number of decades ago had a provision in there that said if if the House and Senate by um, joint resolution um, passed passed this resolution, it would end the governor's emergency declaration as is. So so we exercised that, um, passed it. The uh, governor Wolf ignored it. He said you need to present that because uh, there's a a clause and under Article Three which basically directs how legislation is passed, says you have to present laws or statutes, bills, and resolutions to the governor for his signature as veto. So we went to court, um, kind of a landmark ruling, Scarnati v. Wolf, and the PA Supreme Court came back and said that, you know, the governor had to had to sign it. He ended up vetoing it. Um, we tried a veto override, and of course that failed. Um, so it, it basically says, puts in a kicker in there for for joint resolutions, uh, an exception that they don't need to be presented to the governor. So that allows us any any emergency de- declaration, regardless of when the governor does it, time frame or anything, we always have the ability to end it through a joint resolution. Um, the third part, and this is where where we re- start restricting the governor's power. Currently, Pennsylvania has uh, language in the Constitution that gives and it's the longest out there, and it and it actually ended up being an infinite amount of time the governor can declare emergency declaration. It's at 90 days, and then he can reauthorize. And there's really nothing, as I as I stated before, there's really nothing in in law 
or in the Constitution that stops him from from reauthorizing a emergency declaration. So it can continue indefinitely uh, under practice. So we restrict that from 90 to 21 days and say that if the governor wants to reauthorize it, it has to be approved by the General Assembly. Um, so we, 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 we enshrine in our Constitution two processes to check, um, which has been completely unchecked executive power uh, for over almost the entire year of our lives um, since the, the COVID-19 emergency declaration back in March. Um, so it's critically important people educate themselves. You know, I personally say yes vote on all three um, would be very beneficial to Pennsylvania moving forward and obviously providing, re reinstituting our constitutional checks and balances uh, between the legislative branch and the executive branch. I know the time is short in terms of being able to put this on the May 18 ballot, uh, but uh, you have moved it in the House State Government Committee. Uh, I assume that a, a full House vote will be forthcoming soon and then over to the Senate. So uh, hopefully we'll see that uh, uh, in May to be able to uh, curtail uh, these extraordinary powers. I think that uh, the Supreme Court, unfortunately, uh, rewrote the law uh, as it currently exists. And so the necessity uh, to amend the Constitution um, I know you, there was also another uh, uh, constitutional amendment that could be on the ballot. It's with regard to having judicial districts across Pennsylvania instead of having statewide elections for our uh, seven Supreme Court seats, 15 Superior Court uh, and uh, nine Commonwealth Court seats. Um, can you explain a little bit about that uh, amendment and uh, why this is being proposed? Yeah, currently our, our statewide Supreme Court and appellate justices are selected statewide. Um, so you can run anywhere and, and you can be you can be put on the bench from anywhere, kind of like our, our U.S. senators uh, versus congressmen or legislative bodies where, where you're broken down into uh, geographical districts. Um, this would move um, that selection instead of statewide into geographical areas. So you would draw kind of uh, um, maps based on population. So if you have your seven Supreme Court justices, you divide it by um, the population of, of, of Pennsylvania at the last census. Uh, and then you would put um, break that seven in, into to those cohorts of X number, probably closing in about two million, um, probably over two million voters per kind of judicial district. Um, and then you would elect somebody from each of those specific districts. Uh, from what we've seen, particularly at the Supreme Court level, overwhelmingly, uh, those justices have been, have been from Philadelphia and, and, and Allegheny, Pittsburgh area. Um, seven out of the, or five out of the seven, are currently from those two areas, and a majority of those of those five are from from Pittsburgh, Allegheny County. Um, so, if you're rural Pennsylvania, um, if you're from anywhere else in the state, uh, you really don't have representation um, of your of your geographical area, uh, which has huge connotations, socioeconomic, economy, you name it, um, huge implications. Uh, so, this bill looks to ensure that those voices are heard uh, and they have representation in, in, those, in those appellate judges. 
um, and and uh, obviously the Supreme Court moving forward. And this too uh, passed last uh, uh, legislative session, and so could all be on the ballot uh, sometime this year. Correct. Correct. Um, it's not looking like it's on our voting schedule this week. Um, so more than likely, it's not going to be on the primary ballot. Again, that time frame is very close of, of February 17th. And we have a finite number of days because of budget hearings um, to hit kind of that that goal. Um, but that is if it's if it's voted on by the House and Senate, it'll be on the next um, um, election for voters to approve or disapprove. Well, Seth, I appreciate uh, your jumping in here with me to talk about uh, these issues. Uh, I know we'll be back uh, uh, certainly when you're done with your uh, hearings on elections uh, reforms. Um, Mm -hmm. I will promise uh, that at that point we will do this over bruise one way or another. Um, I won't sound good (laughs) without those uh, libations. So uh, Seth Grove, uh, state representative from uh, York County, the chair of the House State Government Committee. Thanks for joining me on Brews and Views. Will do. Thanks so much, Matt. You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. 